Welcome to the Positive You Podcast, the podcast where we explore life circumstances, mental roadblocks, and endless opportunity to discover the positive you. I'm your host, Christy Murphy. I'm your other host, Brianna G. And today's episode, we're sitting, we're talking about sitting in discomfort and making peace with your emotions. Exactly. But uh, last week we discussed uh, falling apart and understanding that it's an okay thing to do. Um, and we have experienced over the years this idea that we have to keep it together all the time, only to find that it's not very realistic. So our mission for last week was to reflect on our ideas about falling apart. So, Brianna, how did that go for you this week? Well, I'll be honest, I feel like maybe I jinxed myself because I definitely was falling apart a little bit. Um, I think, <laughs> I boy, relate. oh boy, <laughs> talk <Yep>. about it <laughs> <laughs> opportunity to practice. Dang. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely had a couple of times this week that things, you know, just kind of being a human in the world became very challenging. And so I definitely had moments where I thought I was, I was losing it um, or would lose it and had to, had to um, pretty much just employ all of my tactics, my strategies, the tools I've learned, uh, just to get through a couple of days this week. Um, I did a lot of deep breathing, a lot of just removing myself and taking, you know, uh, I think in the past I've talked about, talked about that strategic pause just so that I could, um, stave off maybe falling apart a little bit because I, you know, I wasn't in a space where that would be appropriate, but I definitely came home and gave myself that opportunity to really work through what it was I was feeling and what was going on. And rather than try to avoid it and hold it all together, I worked through it and it has helped. One of the biggest things I think that helped was to talk about it with someone. So in our pre- uh, podcast call, we both kind of chatted about how the week went. And that was incredibly um, one, it was really comforting. But it was also just, again, that great practice of saying, hey, this week was really tough. I didn't know that I was going to always, you know, I didn't always hold it together the way I wanted to, um, or it didn't go the way I necessarily wanted to, but I got through it. And now I'm going to learn from it and we'll see, you know, maybe the next time some of these things happen, um, I, I will catch it quicker. It won't have quite the effect on me. I'm not sure. I just, um, I just think it's interesting that we both had really tough weeks the week we were kind of practicing, reflecting on, or being aware of when we fall, fall apart or when it feels like it's coming on. It's very interesting because the more that like we do this kind of work, it feels like the lessons just keep coming. Um, <laughs> and a part of me sometimes wishes like I left well enough alone. Um, because, <laughs> um, so for, like, I totally relate to what you're saying because, uh, you know, and it's all okay that we fall apart. You know, um, you know, one of my family members is having just like rodent problems and they were falling apart over that. And I figured like not figuratively, literally am falling apart. I have this, tr- I, I've been trying to do what I can for my health. And um, as a result, directly of this podcast, um, 
one, I'm trying to do what I can. So I've been doing like this one singular foot up the wall yoga move for like 10 or 15 minutes combined with um, a friend of mine who happens to be listening to the podcast. Hello to her. I won't say her name because she's uh, she's keeping her um, her Samba class uh, a little bit private. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want to like out her. But she had this dance class that she privately invited me to on Facebook, which I joined. And I think between me trying to Samba and trying to do a singular yoga move, I totally um, uh, pulled something in my neck to an extent where I feel almost vomitous pain. So, uh, yay, what an exciting opportunity um, for me to embrace falling apart. Last night, I called my sister when my ears started to go numb and I started to feel nauseous because um, that type of pain has a tendency to um, escalate to um, more, uh, what's the word, uh, debilitating proportions from that point. Uh, and my sister reminded me, oh, yeah, I can microwave a hot towel because I didn't have like a heating pad. Uh, and so that helped a little bit. And then in our pre-call, you know, it was like, yeah, I could up a little bit more of the dosage of some of my, uh, you know, um, anti-inflammatory over-the-counter medications. And uh, yeah, so I am, um, and I broke down into tears and it is okay because uh, it literally did hurt uh, last night. I mean, it, it, it genuinely, it genuinely hurts. So I may be a little muted in this particular call. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're in great shape, <laughs> I think. Right. Oh, and I took the opportunity, um, you know, I shared um, my um, breakdown at my old job and I friended uh, our old boss on LinkedIn and actually had a conversation mm-hmm. where I had the opportunity to apologize um, because, you know, it, he was just trying to help me by, you know, giving me a job and actually having me when they were laying people off, switching my job to something that I apparently wasn't good at. Put the papers in the folder, put the folder in the cabinet. Why do you keep reading those folders? Just put them in the cabinet. Just file, as they call it, but I wasn't doing that. And uh, I, you know, I, I talked myself into, um, uh, I fell apart, let's just say, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also okay to apologize to the people that were directly affected by, um, you know, what it is that I was going through at the time. You know what I mean? And that, you know, and he, he was very gracious and I'm sure uncomfortable mm-hmm. about my apology. <laughs> <laughs> But it was great to talk to him. He was amazingly forgiving. So, you know, kudos to um, our former boss. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like, and, and it's in part why we picked, you know, this week's episode about sitting in discomfort. I feel like our, our experiences over this last week, not only were practice in falling apart or, or recognizing that things aren't going to always we're not going to be able to hold it together all the time. And it's okay to kind of find or or follow that wherever it's going to go again, in hopes of learning something or finding a new way to do those, do certain things. Uh, The other thing that it helps us do is to learn how to be uncomfortable. I know for me, one of the reasons I avoid that whole, that whole kind of, spectrum of falling apart is it's it's an avoidance I don't want to be uncomfortable I don't want to think that maybe things aren't going exactly right or perfectly uh, in my life Uh, so I just have a tendency to fully avoid that at all and that's not from a positive view that's not me saying oh things aren't going great but how can I have this positive view on it that is just me legitimately trying to avoid being being uncomfortable so you know this week as things were not turning out the way 
I maybe thought they would, or I was finding myself just emotionally in some tight spots, we'll say. The positive view was that I knew that I could do this falling apart. I knew that I could experience or, or sit sort of with these uncomfortable emotions and work through them with the skills that I've learned over the last you know couple of decades. And that to me was taking the positive view on this situation. I wasn't getting lost in the discomfort or any of those things. I was just saying, okay, this, is, this isn't right. First of all, I was really excited <laughs> that I could recognize that something was going on. Uh, and then that I could just sit there with it and just say, okay, this isn't quite right. So let's do something so that, you know, it was, you know, some deep breathing. I threw some prayer in there. Um, and I don't mean to say it in a way that is flippant because in the moment it was pretty tough, but I, I'm, I'm, I am excited that I did it. Like I felt fell apart, you know, in my, in my estimation and was able to work through it and put myself kind of back together. Exactly. And that's, I feel like me avoiding feeling uncomfortable, like a temporary avoidance of discomfort has often meant that I have to endure actually greater discomfort, greater inconvenience. Like on the other side of me feeling uncomfortable is a freedom that I deny myself each time I avoid it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, oh boy, I feel like then this goes towards that evidence that if things don't go quite right, if we are uncomfortable if we feel like we're falling apart we can do all of those things and all of those things can be true and for me the positive view is and i will be okay yes it it's you know it's interesting that you just say that because usually when i think about this type of um this kind of uh work you know thinking positive you know i forget to that it also includes like a lot of my physical health Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was originally bothering me when um, I started to feel the pain in my neck is it would start, it was starting to feel very reminiscent. I've had issues with um, my back and some of my, uh, well, you know, my, my leg um, to the point where the pain escalated where like there was just some sort of nerve thing and then my leg didn't work and it was a whole like debilitating period in my life. Um, and I've had other experiences like that with some of my other limbs. And I was like, oh no, is it going to happen with my neck? Um, like, mm -hmm. oh no, I, I kind of need that for, you know, podcast recording and, and watching television and whatnot. So, I mean, not TV, but the internet, but it's, I call it all TV now. Um, so the point was at a certain point when I realized the pain was escalating and then it finally started to go down a little, what was relieving was I could remember, oh, okay, this is, you know, they have that scale. I know, you know, cause you're nursing that one to 10 scale. And mm -hmm. when the pain was at a five or a four, I went, okay, I've done a five and a four before, and I was fine. It only hurts now, and then eventually it stops. Because remember when I was feeling, great, that ended. Do you know what I mean? So 
right. <laughs> and the pain has returned. So everything changes. Um, but it is like comforting to know, you know what I mean? That I don't, it's the fear of like, we, you know, the only fear is fear itself, but I understand what it is. It's me afraid that I won't be able to handle the pain should it escalate. And there is, I mean, I have gotten that nine or 10 pain, which in my bill, you know, was the, the pain where like I tried to sit up, the room went dark, you know, I heard crickets and I thought I was going to, I literally like started to vomit in my own throat from the pain and went, swallow that. You don't want to be laying in vomit just as I started to lose consciousness. And then they put me back down flat and I didn't lose consciousness. And I thought, okay, but what, what I need to remember from that moment is I almost, do you know what I mean? Like completely passed out from the pain. Uh, however, I survived it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Um, right. You know, it hurts and everything's fine. It hurts mm-hmm. and everything's fine. They're, they're not two like things that ex- are mutually exclusive, but I'm usually like, oh, you know, what I wanted to tell myself when, you know, I was my, my help, I was like, oh, here we go. I try to do even the simplest thing, 15 minutes of yoga stretching a day and one Samba class and I'm already a cripple. <laughs> it's just like, no, Christy, this always happens. Remember the always or never. It's like, no, it's just an indicator. And you don't, and I, it, like even trying to say it out loud, I feel, um, a little sense. I, I admit that I feel ashamed because mm-hmm. the idea that I can't do 15 minutes of stressing, stretching and, 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 and one, like one hour zoom, you know, Samba class mm-hmm. um, at this point in my health is disappointing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I am, you know, one of the things I kept telling, you know, my sister and me, cause we were both working through stuff this week is I am not my circumstances. Mm-hmm. I am not my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means you can, you can be experiencing something you can, you know, kind of do, you can fall apart related to that something Mm -hmm. and falling apart sounds very, um, I understand that falling apart sounds very extreme, but I feel like there's like with everything, there's a spectrum to what that's like. There are days when falling apart for me is just you know, maybe I can't quite uh, hold on to my anger the way that I want. Or maybe it's I, you know, think about something that's um, kind of sad, and then I'm, you know, crying for a little bit related to it. Falling apart can look like a lot of things, a lot of yeah. different things to different people at different times. So, yes, you know, I don't want it to mean like every time falling apart necessarily means something big and extreme. Yeah, you don't um, have to be on disability and be escorted from your place of work. <laughs> like that doesn't have to happen every time. Like that can happen just the one time and then you can be okay. Right. <laughs> it could be anywhere from that. Right. Losing your, your stuff in traffic to being escorted off the premises of some places. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Correct. It is fine. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't not even necessarily, that doesn't define who you are as a person. That is your, like you said, we are not defined by our circumstances. We are, I think, defined and can find strength in how we handle those circumstances. So if we recognize that it is okay to fall apart, or if we recognize it's okay, or or that we understand that these kinds of things are going to come up uh, in our lives, And it's okay because we know, even if we're sad, even if we're angry, you name the emotion, 
even if the circumstance seems insurmountable, we get to a point where we know that we're going to be able to handle it. We're going to be able to go through whatever this thing is and come out the other side okay and hopefully uh, having learned something that we can take into the future so that whatever discomfort or, or challenges are mitigated or maybe not as challenging for lack of a better word the next time. And that's why I think it's really great that we're doing these episodes back to back because they're so closely tied because once I fall apart and then I realize I'm going to be okay coming back together and life isn't so dramatic, there is these smaller, smaller times in my life with just a fear of being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. has stopped me from getting what I want. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why this is such a really great episode for this week. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's right where we're going to, we're going to kind of jump right into continuing. I mean, continuing the, the topic essentially and talking about being able to sit in discomfort and being able to make peace with our emotions that sometimes take us down a more negative or challenging path. Yes, it's exactly because instead of just falling apart, sometimes I feel like um, my, me not being uncomfortable and literally it could be the discomfort of not volunteering for something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But somebody's just staring at me. That makes me like jump in and do something mm-hmm. that I really don't want to do. Like I've bought things I don't want to buy because yeah. I can't handle because the salesperson trying to get me to buy can handle the discomfort more than I can. Right. I will tell you that's exactly I have a that's exactly what happened to me today. Um, I had the opportunity to do some kayak shopping and I, you know, I drove out of town to go to this paddle boat store or paddle. Yeah, that's the right word. Um, store. That's not the right word, but it's fine. Uh, and I tried some, I tried a few kayaks out. The guy had to get like three of them from this warehouse. that was like a quarter mile away and I got in them and I just didn't like them as much as the one I had tried earlier this morning. And I could feel myself getting ready to buy a kayak that I didn't really like because I was uncomfortable saying after, you know, I'd been in the store for like two hours, I was uncomfortable saying, yeah, no, none of these are right. I almost bought a kayak that wasn't going to work for me because I was so, I I could feel myself just getting uncomfortable about maybe wasting this person's time and they went through all this trouble. And let me just be clear, the customer service guy was not pressuring me in any sort of way. He was like, yeah, no, get in the boats. We want you to get in the boats. Um, it was all me. <laughs> it was all me. I, okay, I've, we're the same person. And this is when I was younger. I've gotten more of a spine since then. Uh, she says, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Let's get to embarrassing fact. I've eaten around a bug in a salad because I didn't want to bother the waitress. <laughs> okay. Right. What? Who does right. that? I've also done it for glass in a salad. Why do things end up in my salad? I think the universe is giving me an opportunity to perhaps say um, you enjoy salad, but you can also enjoy a salad without glass or bugs in it. You know what I mean? But um, 
you know, it's taken me a while to be able to, like, and I really particularly have a thing about, like, I, I don't know why I sometimes when I used to, and I don't think I do it as much as I used to, I used to over tip when the waitress was meaner to me sometimes, mm-hmm. like, because I felt like, oh, do you not like me because you think I'm a bad tipper? Like, mm-hmm. I don't need the waiter to like me. I'm I, I'm a good person. I'm not... Like, I even try to group the things that I want in one run. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, wait, I need a, I need a, another glass of water. What does everybody else need? Okay, when they come by, we're going to get water, bread, and butter. And then I'm literally agitated by a friend of mine who, like, after they brought it all, is like, oh, I could use some ketchup. I'm like, I've already asked you. Now we're going to bother the waitress. You do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because I'm so concerned and the busier it is, you know, and I, and there's, there's a, there's a difference between um, being um, considerate and being almost, I, I, would it be considered codependency? Whatever it is, Mm. there's a difference between being considerate and then just literally, you know, resenting someone at your meal (laughs) for having the gall to have forgotten their ketchup. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, now you're going to bother the cranky waitress again. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, he gets to remember suddenly that he needs ketchup. Like, and it's not, you know, it's like, I feel feel like half the time I'm saying, I'm not with him. I would have had this all under control. We would have been the perfect customer for you. I'm so sorry. What's that all about? (laughs) I, well, what is that about? Because that was going to be a question that I had was, you know, when you start to feel that, can you... One, can you recognize that it's discomfort with the particular situation? And then can you recognize what in the moment, can you recognize what is it about this situation that's making you uncomfortable? So is it that, as you were just describing, is it that you don't want to feel like you're putting someone out or making them work harder? Is it, you know, sometimes for me, uh, it is. I just don't want to make another person feel bad, um, which is my assumption about how they're going to take whatever it is I need to do or whatever it is I need to say. Um, but I'm just interested to know from your perspective, can you can you see it in the moment or can you recognize it in the moment, what it is that's making you feel that way? Yes. And I have learned to embrace the discomfort. Because constantly um, being sort of the uh, let's be on our best behavior for the waitress sort of marshal at a table is a less than enjoyable <laughs> evening out for me and the people who have been who had the uh, experience of dining with me on that particular day. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, what are you doing, Christy? Do, do, she, you, we can't if per, if if it is the case that. Um, the thing that's going to make or break someone's day is whether or not they haven't grouped all the requests in one, you know, one go as much as they would have mm-hmm. liked. Perhaps, you know, the, another line of work may be in order. Do you know what I mean? Like if that guy breaking, you know what I mean? If, if, if that ketchup really is breaking somebody's back, that ketchup request, you know, maybe there's something going on that's more than I'm responsible for. Um, right. And the truth is, it's all an invention. I don't believe that any, I mean, and if they did, then that's their problem. But I don't think any of those weight people wanted me to, um, wanted me to eat around a bug or eat around some glass. Like, I don't think, I don't think like anybody would have expected that to be the mm-hmm. way we're going to handle this. Oh, it's just, okay, well, I'll just eat these ones. Cause, oh, and I couldn't just leave it. Cause I didn't want her to think, I didn't want them to ask me, 
was there something wrong with the salad? Right. So that's yeah. why. But this was like 20 years ago. I'm not as bad as I used to be. But I have mm-hmm. helped people move when I didn't want to. I've done mm-hmm. people's taxes. Uh, I am not a tax professional, by the way, but they literally didn't know how to use their W-2s. Like they didn't understand like your basic tax function. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like, okay, so you read the forms and then you put in the answers. But like I did that for them and I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all kinds of other things because I don't want to be considered a bad person. I don't want to be unlikable. I don't want to be the B word. I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to be bossy. I don't want to be big headed. I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm so consumed or I have been in the past so consumed with the thoughts and feelings of everyone else mm-hmm. that I sell myself short all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I notice from me is when I, when I can't sit in discomfort, so I start doing things or I do something that I don't either don't really want to do, or maybe even sometimes don't feel um, comfortable doing. Um, all that does is build up this sort of either resentment or anger or frustration, which then at some point ends up kind of bubbling up and or blurting out usually at not great times um, and then tends to invite the very thing I was trying to avoid. Yes. And one of the things that I mistakenly think is I think because I came from um, a sort of more modest background uh, financially that Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was on borrowed time or like, I really need this job. So I can't, do you know what I mean? I need my boss to like me. So I've got to come in at any shift that they want for fear. Do you know what I mean? This fear that I'll be fired Mm -hmm. or fear that, you know, I'll never get ahead or, and, and what ended up happening in some of the instances where I went out of my way to do not just someone else's job, but you know, not just my job, but someone else's is I literally was in a position once and they were like, well, we needed to promote someone, but we kept thinking, well, what would we do without Christy here in this low level job? She does everything. Mm. And it was just like, wait, 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 wait what? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because I was such a good little worker. Um, I wasn't considered management material. Mm. Oh, it was literally, literally that like somebody else got promoted because I could do the work of two workers. And I was just like, how did I? And I was, I always would say things like, oh, glad to do it. Glad to be helpful. And Mm -hmm. I kind of was because I had this invisible, like sort of um, agreement that um, me working harder meant I would get ahead. But the difference between me and the other person who got promoted was they were very, um, he was very, I want to be on a management track. I only Mm -hmm. work these hours. This is what I do. And I was just really resentful of the fact that he didn't do things he didn't want to do. And they looked Mm -hmm. at him like he was a leader, wherein I just did everything for anyone that you asked me. And in a lot of ways, you can't be a manager who's afraid of disappointing people. And so in a lot of ways, even though it hurts to admit it, he was more management material than I was. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. So there's a lot in there. Isn't <laughs> and I there? Think one of them is, um, you know, where's the line between being generous and being helpful and then 
sort of that sense of being taken advantage of. And it's a fine line because I feel like I have been in very similar situations. You want to, I mean, I go to work in all of my jobs wanting to do a good job and wanting to be helpful either to clients and customers or to colleagues and, you know, the people that you work with. Um, at what point, though, does that sort of morph into, um, wait a second, this is very imbalanced. <laughs> um, and now I'm starting, as you said, now you're starting to get a little bit resentful. And then you, you maybe miss out on the opportunities or the people who aren't doing those things seem to be getting a little bit farther than you. And it is such a interesting, well, I don't know if interesting is not the right word. It's a crazy line to walk, I would say, um, to know where you can sort of put your foot down, so to speak, and allow other people to, I like the way, you, uh, the phrase you use of being able to disappoint people, um, because it may be, one, it may be the right thing to do in the moment, uh, and it may be the right thing to do for you. Um, and then that's one of those things. Are you okay? You know, how do you get okay acknowledging that and accepting that? I, I think one of the things that people used to say to me a lot, especially when I felt taken advantage of, was they would say things like, well, I was only asking. Mm -hmm. And they would say things, well, and you offered. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I had to realize is when somebody hints strongly at something that they need, um, sometimes it's a good friend who just doesn't have the courage to ask because they don't want to put me in an awkward position to turn them down if I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I can see that person and I know that person. Uh, however, sometimes it's someone hinting at something so that I will offer and um, they will be like, well, but they don't want to offer anything in return. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I have to be very careful. Am I doing this to ingratiate myself to this person because I'm expecting something from it? Like, do I think we're closer friends because I've done all these favors? Do I think that I'm, you know, because I've put myself in a position, oh, especially in the dating life. Mm -hmm. where I was like hoping to make a guy my boyfriend by doing all these things with it for him. Do you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. um, I do know some people and I've done it myself when some guy really wanted to do all these things for me. And I knew that his, his intentions were romantic. I declined those offers. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to like use him. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 listen, I'm not interested. And uh, no, it's, it's fine. They're like, no, 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 it's okay. And I'm like, no, I, I know, you know, by helping me with this big favor, you're going to feel like we're getting closer and that's not the truth, but mm -hmm. the, but, but it's not my responsibility of taking that line when I've been him. Do you know what I mean? Other people are like, when I say, no, 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 I can do that. It's okay. Then, then that's on me when I'm doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I'm saying, I love to work extra shifts instead <laughs> of saying, Listen, I'm going to do this because you need me. Uh, and also because I want to show you that I'm a team player because I'm looking to move ahead in this company. And I hope mm -hmm. that, you know, I hope that we have an understanding that way, because if that isn't it, then I'm not available. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have them go, well, if you're going to put it that way, forget it. You know, that's what I'm afraid of. If I ask for what I want, they'll be like, well, you don't deserve that. To hell with you. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you, you hit the nail right on the head and it's your emotions and your feelings are your responsibility. Um, it's yes, of course we want people to help us and, um, you know, be generous in those, those things to, to kind of help us along our way. But ultimately how you are going to feel about a situation. Um, let me speak for myself, how I'm going to feel about a particular situation is my responsibility. So if it is that I am offering to, you know, go above and beyond or to help or whatever the case may be, it's my, it's my responsibility to know if I'm doing it for the right reasons or not. And if sometimes I don't always, you know, I too have that fear of um, someone will think I'm not helpful or that I don't like them enough or you name what the thoughts can, can be that go along with that. But all of that's on me. That is not on that other person. And so I had, you know, that was a kind of a tough lesson to learn. But once I did, or now that I have, um, I guess I could say it's so much more freeing then to recognize that when that energy is coming back towards me. So like you said, if you were, you do get those, you can um, discern if someone's like hinting because, you know, they want you to do a thing they think you don't want to do, um, or if they truly want the help and they just don't know how to ask. I mean, I think, you know, you can discern that. Um, but at any of that is their thing to deal with. And that still might make me uncomfortable recognizing that, but I think it's now I'm finally realizing I don't always have to jump in to recognize, or excuse me, to um, rescue that person from their discomfort. I need to sit here, figure out my own and how I'm going to respond um, because otherwise I'm not doing anybody any good. I, yes. I, one of the things um, my mother um, is a good bargainer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, it's part of the Filipino culture that you bargain. Um, and my father is mortified by said bargaining. And I think I've fallen on his side or, or he <laughs> was mortified by it. And I remember distinctly um, at the market and um, we were with someone else that we like uh, that, that turned out to be from my mom's hometown just for the day. And my mom is uh, bargaining for some shoes that I want to buy at the market. And I just want to pay the price that's there, you know? Um, and uh, now my mom knows from my accent and the way I look, uh, cause I, you know, I look half, you know, I'm half American. So there I look very American, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, have, I mean, half white. Um, and so I look very white in the Philippines. Like if you surround me with Filipinos, I look somewhat Filipino, but a lot white. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you surround me with white people, I suddenly look more Filipino. Um, so it's a very weird, but I'm there in the market. My mom is starting to bargain hard and I share, like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm literally almost crawling out of my own skin. Um, cause she's does. My mom gets this really high voice, like, huh, like she's personally offended. Um, and that's, you know, it's part of the drama of how that thing goes down. Uh, so I look to the guy with us cause I'm embarrassed cause he's watching and I look to the guy and he smiles at me like, look at your mom. Isn't she good at bargaining? Do you know what I mean? And she gets an amazing deal. And the best thing I've been able to, to, to muster in that moment, because my guy is like that, he will literally, you could be offering $40 and he wants to pay three. I feel like, have you just insulted that man? Like, what are you doing? You cannot offer somebody $3 for a $40 item. Like at this point, 
you're really just saying, hi, can I throw $3 in your face is what my brain feels like. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you just spit on the man while you're doing that? We're in, like, I've literally seen people laugh when he's offered them $3. I've seen, I've seen them go, are you crazy? And then I've seen the most unbelievable thing where they've gone, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, that $3 is- and I'll take it out my truck right now. And they're like, yeah, all right. And, but and I'm like, what, what just happened? And there's been times when he's gone to bargain and I am accidentally taking the side of the other person because I feel so bad for them not getting, and I'm like, wait a minute, whose side am I on here? Do mm-hmm. we want the bookcase or not? Like, <laughs> right. why am I trying to get him to pay full price for this bookcase? We're a team. I don't even know this person. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and the mm-hmm. best I can muster is to walk away. Mm-hmm. I cannot like stand there. I'm so uncomfortable, but I've realized the more often I can sit in the discomfort because what it is, is I feel like other people have power over me. They have the power to withhold good judgment. They have the mm-hmm. power to withhold thinking good thoughts about me. And what is that really? What does it matter? Like, listen, I don't want to go through my life being a jerk, but I'm not a jerk. Do you know what I mean? And I don't need constant reassurance to say, yeah, Christy, you're not a jerk. Look, you paid full price for a bookcase. Like, what? that's not how it works. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, look, you, you, you ate ranch dressing and bugs in your salad. Like, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. And even if they did, that's their problem. Mm-hmm. Why have I made it mine? And I mean, I've not asked for things. I've not asked for raises. I've worked shifts. I've dealt with broken items at countless apartments because I want to be the good tenant. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I've had bad haircuts that I pretended I liked and that I tipped heftily for. I have, I mean, <laughs> I can't even tell you the number of bad haircuts I have had. Um, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I, I think you, you know, you referenced earlier um, that, that it is coming down to, at some point, it's coming down to fear that you're going to lose someone's, um, like esteem for you or, or, you know, how they're, how they see you. And I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit in our pre-show conversation. Uh, you know, it takes me back to the conversation we had about identity. And one of the things I'm learning with, I like coming to like coming to terms with my own identity and figuring out what that is, is the more that I can um, recognize or acknowledge kind of who I am and, and what I stand for and, you know, the type of person that I, that I am, the less I have to be worried about what other people think about me. So you, I mean, you just said it, you hit the nail right on the head. You don't want to walk around being a jerk and you're not a jerk. Your identity is very much Christy is not a jerk. Christy is actually a very lovely person. So if Christy, you know, if you are in these situations, if any of us are in these situations and we're like, oh, I don't know, I don't want them to think poorly of me, you you can pop back to that identity and be like, okay, well, am I this person that I've kind of put this, per- you know, this hypothetical persona? Am I that person? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, great. I'm going to just move forward then and I'm going to, state my needs and wants and, and kind of go from there. And it's, it, I was, I've been reading, a, um, I've actually been listening to an audiobook book um, by Carol Dweck. 
and it's a book called Mindset. And it's, uh, you know, it's Mindset, subtitled The New Psychology of Success. And um, she breaks down like what she calls a growth mindset in contrast to what's known as a fixed mindset. And although in many areas, when it comes to learning, I have a very growth mindset in that I'm very eager to learn new things. I'm, you know, I've always felt like that's sort of my wheelhouse. Um, When it comes to um, my personality and what people think of me, Mm -hmm. I think some of my early, um, I I was, um, I'll just put it this way. I was an odd child, uh, but I was a very original thinking child. Um, but I don't really know that um, amongst the, you know, elementary school set that or even particularly, I should say, the middle school set, um, that being an original thinker is uh, the height of what adolescence is going to um, enjoy. And it wasn't that kind of, you know, individual thinker that was like a cool rebel. I was, you know, all of the things that maybe people would not aspire to be at that age. Odd. Um, <laughs> primarily. But um I think the need for acceptance, like I'm not, I'm a person that won't be accepted. Mm -hmm. The person who will not be well liked because of who I am. I think what I did when I attempted to, um, you know, like work on those skills at Mm -hmm. being more social, like I got to tell you when I was originally went to school, I didn't even know you were supposed to make friends until like a teacher told my parents through a note. Like I was like, Oh, Oh, we're supposed to be, Oh, that was one of the things that we're supposed to be learning. And I literally, it never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Like there was just some social things that just didn't naturally come to me. Um, and I know people are probably thinking they're going to label me with some sort of like autism or something. No, I can, I can read other people's emotions. I just at school was so excited about learning stuff that I didn't know that, you know, the social aspect of it was also something that you should be gleaning from school. And it uh, turns out I was um, sort of shy, mm-hmm. you know, especially I was bullied a lot. So that kind of put me in, um, in sort of a shell. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and I had to work really hard to get out of that. But the concept of the mindset book is that we believe that we have like fixed traits and we're constantly trying to assess that we are this thing over and over and over again, instead of realizing I'm, I'm a nice person. I don't have to constantly prove that I'm a nice person. I could just do nice things when I feel like it. And that's okay. I don't have to, like, I always wondered why it was so upsetting to have somebody like call me dishonest or call me ugly or call me any of these things. Um, like, why does it matter to me so much what they think? Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I have like a fixed mindset. I believe what other people think is what I'm defined by instead mm-hmm. of knowing that I'm defined by what I think of me. Mm. And that's interesting because what I was thinking when you were saying that is not so much the fixed mindset piece, but also perhaps, um, you know, is it we sometimes feel that discomfort because we know that that's not true. So if we're, you know, we're often, let me speak for myself, uh, when I'm worried about other people's, what other people are thinking of me it's usually that I'm worried that they're going to think something that's not true. And maybe that's super obvious, but I feel like um, that's one of those things that's just maybe coming to me now as we kind of talk about this again, kind of going back to that. um, Who do I, who do I think I am? Who do I say I am? And usually it's that someone's going to think not just that someone's going to think badly of me, but they're going to think incorrectly of me. And so to avoid the discomfort of that, I tend to, you know, either do sometimes it's not 
all the time, but sometimes just do things that I don't always want to do to avoid the discomfort of people thinking incorrectly about me. And then I got to ask myself, and I, and I think it is exactly that. Like when somebody mistakes me for, listen, if somebody were to suddenly judge me as being, um, oh, I don't know, a person whose neck hurts right now because she can't do 15 minutes of yoga and a class, I don't think that would be particularly painful because it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm, I'm not as evidenced by the fact that here I am. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this, the, the, we're back here again. Um, so that doesn't bother me. But the thing that I always note is why do I care? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you, you said it a little bit, uh, not a little bit, you said it a little bit ago when you talked about the need to fit in. That is a, that is a, human trait we want to we want to fit in because you know in 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 our olden times the people who didn't usually didn't make it you know there wasn't a lot of rolling solo and being okay um so i think we're ingrained uh it's part of our nature to want to fit in or to at least you know be a part of some sort of group but i think we need to ask ourselves the group that we're trying to fit into, is that really the group we want to be a part of? So when you were talking before about that fear of, of that, um, of losing someone's good esteem or what I, I can't quite remember the, the term you used. Um, but I think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, uh, is this something that I really want? You know, am I just trying to, am I trying to, minimize this discomfort so that I can fit into this group because I want to be a part of this group? Or is it because I just don't want to feel like I'm, I don't belong or I'm being excluded? Exactly. Yes. And I found that like, and I can do, I do have some compassion for the younger version of me that desperately wanted to be liked because I will say, you know, the physical consequences and the mental consequences of being bullied mm-hmm. um, were tremendously uncomfortable, not, not just like uncomfortable in my mind, but like physically uncomfortable and somewhat dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that isn't a place that I would wish for anyone. Um, and I will say that once I gave people, though, I started realizing, um, you know, when I became part of like an artistic community or whatever, um, that the more I cared about what certain people thought, the more power they sort of had over me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember like my change was when I started to say what I really thought, but, and I, and, and, and and humor can help. Like I do remember somebody specifically um, being very like, like for me, if I say no, the first time I feel like that should be enough. I've, I've been clear, but a lot of people I've sort of trained that if you push me enough, I will eventually give in. Mm-hmm. And I have to deal with those consequences. And I remember the first time where I was just like, I am not doing that. Like somebody said, oh, hey, I'll buy you lunch if you come over and help me with my website or something like that. And I said, oh, no, that's all right. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, um, <laughs> and she was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a lot of work, man. And, um, and she looked at me like incredulously, like, I can't believe you said that. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, no, I've got money for my own lunch. That's just like a lot of work. And I said it in a funny way. And then she literally, cause at the time I was making a lot of money online with my own website. She's like, I wish my website was, um, 
successful enough that I could just tell people that, you know, it's used the F word, you know, to F off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I just said, yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, because I'm not going to do, you know, hundreds of dollars of work for her when for, you know, California pizza kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that every time on this particular relationship, I don't know whether it was deliberate or whether it was accidental, but it doesn't matter. The trending on that relationship was, at any opportunity where she could just so happen to help me, like this person deliberately didn't. Like even when she bought the website from the provider that I recommended, I handed her an affiliate link. I said, if you click on this link, I'll get, um, I'll get like $30 or something like that. Or, or maybe it was $100. She was the only person who never clicked on that link despite the fact that she took all my help. Mm. It may have been an accident, but no matter what we did, it was always me doing a lot of things for her. And anytime an opportunity came up where it would be easy for her to do something that would benefit from me, it somehow never worked out. Mm -hmm. And regardless as to whether or not, I used to do this thing where, well, they didn't mean it. And it's like, yeah, they don't mean it. But the trending on this relationship is making me feel used. Mm -hmm. And there's just too many people in the world to know. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, it was like one of those relationships that I just slowly let fade. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's, there are different types of discomfort in those types of situations because there's, you know, you're uncomfortable and that's when you kind of have to weigh which one's, which one's more or less tolerable. Is it more tolerable to be uncomfortable because you're doing, you're, you're a part of a relationship that doesn't feel reciprocal uh, or is it, you know, is it that, um, you know, there might be some discomfort in, in kind of letting that that relationship fade out or if that person would come back and say hey what's going on it doesn't seem like our relationship's the same you know the discomfort that would come with having a conversation like that and you just sometimes there's a couple types of discomfort and you have to kind of sit in on both and then figure out which one is you know more or less tolerable to determine which way which way you're going to go Yes, because a lot of times um, it's very interesting. There's been it's very hard for me to um, I've I'm, I should say I've been in the past I've been conflict averse, mm-hmm. and there's been a few times where I've finally gone for it. I've finally said, "Hey, what's going on? This is what this is," and the person just went for vitriol and annihilation in that mm-hmm. moment. Um. And it's like, okay, so this is my greatest fear realized. Do you know what I mean? Like this person has deliberately made it so that I, like, I, I thought, okay, it's probably all in my head because I'm conflict averse. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, you know, all I have to do is reach out and, and find out what it is, like what's happening. And then she literally was like, you know, what's happening. And I can't believe you're, I mean, she just led me the, you know, read me the riot act. Um, and um, it was funny because I'd um, now I should mention that um, it had happened when I, I left her a voicemail message to say, hey, I'd love to get together to talk because I know something has happened. And then she called back and got my voicemail message and literally was like, how dare you drop a bomb on my voicemail message? <laughs> and then proceeded to scream and divide. This is back in the old like audio tape days. Mm-hmm. And then she got a call, <laughs> hung up, took that call and then called back. <laughs> oh, boy. And it was just like, 
oh, okay. So a couple of these things weren't me. Mm-hmm. And I will say in that moment, I went, hey, listen, I tried to do, I tried to do the right thing here. Um, obviously we can't be friends, you know, uh, consider case closed. Uh, but I did feel incredibly relieved mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. One, it was, okay, this wasn't all in my head. I was definitively getting the cold shoulder. And two, I really don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, that, that I hate that, you know what you did. And it's like, I, I honestly wouldn't be asking if I didn't know. Um, and it's very odd because this is the, like, there's a certain time when things come up and you know, it's gotta be me because this kind of thing comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like sometimes, um, why didn't you just ask for help, Christy, when you needed it? Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody says that to me, I'm like, oh, cause I'm not good at that. You know, like, I know this one's mine, but when it's the, um, how dare you? Like, I'm like, oh, this is the only time, like, you're the only person this has ever happened to. But then you find out that they, they, they've less, less like answering machine bombs on a number of people. So, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? And you're like, oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. This one isn't mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, all right. That problem happens with them all the time. Like, that's how I know. Is it me or is it them? And I default to always thinking it's me because I can control that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's them. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a relief to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is a relief to know that you can give yourself a break. Um, you know, if it's truly not your thing, yeah, give yourself a break and recognize. You know, do what you need to do in the moment, and then keep moving. I do think, though, one of the things I had to learn as I got older is being able to sit in the discomfort and admit when it when it's me. So being able to uh, sit in the discomfort of admitting admitting when I've I've been wrong, or or maybe you know, in some way wronged another person, and it took a long time for me to be able to do that where I wasn't just avoiding it and then making some excuses for my behavior, um, and to the point where now it it still doesn't feel great when I recognize that I'm wrong, but I do feel like I am, I hope, um, you know, better at acknowledging it and then trying to, uh, you know, apologizing and then trying to repair maybe whatever damage um, my thing or my behavior has, has caused someone else. Yeah. I, I once got some really great advice, um, and it turned out to be from a woman I didn't even really like that much, but she gave great advice. And, you know, we had like a professional, like a, like a mentor mentee relationship. Um, and one of the things that she did say was, this is what an apology sounds like. It says, it goes like this. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, it contains at least I'm sorry. And I was wrong. And mm. if you can't do that, it's not really a problem. That it, the, I'm sorry you feel that way is not mm-hmm. an apology. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry you got upset when I did this, but let me justify what I did. She's like, if you're really sorry and you really know you did wrong, then you got to say those words. I was wrong and I'm sorry. And that has got to be in there. And you've told me that. And that was one of the, you know, that's a lesson that kind of helped me get to this newer understanding that I have. And it's not only that, which also came from you. Um, it's also the understanding that you have to apologize and really be ready for the fact that that person may not forgive you. Yes. Because it's not, again, it's, 
is kind of as you were saying that sitting in that discomfort is 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 about you kind of admitting that you were wrong um but whether or not they they accept it um is you know you that was tough for me as as a younger person to think that I would you know make myself vulnerable enough to say I'm sorry um and that someone may may just be like mhm I don't care right or like uh yes you were wrong yes you are sorry no I don't want to know you mhm and I think one of the things that I had to admit to myself when I was going around doing a lot of things to be nice or whatnot is that I was saying you have to like me now. Mm. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that doesn't make me a good person and aren't they horrible? People do not, people have the right to judge, like have their own feelings about who I am mm-hmm. and that's their business and not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the more I try to control other people's thoughts, the more sort of self-absorbed I am in a way that I wasn't willing to admit a lot when I was younger. Um, And I have gotten very good. It's very weird because I have a very um, spiky uh, discomfort profile. I, um, I was very shy as a child and I worked really hard to learn to talk to people and I became a comedian um, because I was very worried about being judged. And I had, you know, some serious car accidents and I started to get incredibly afraid in the car and I sat through that discomfort and I became a driving instructor specifically for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say that I have always recognized that success and the things I want all rest in my ability to sit in that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And wherein, when the stakes were really high was something like I didn't want to live. Like there were so many people in the world that I wanted to talk to. There were so many people in the world that I wanted to say hello and share ideas and thoughts with. Um, my shyness was making my world so small Mm -hmm. that I went, it was, it it meant so much to me. So I went big with it. And the same thing with me feeling so like, I mean, I literally felt very, I felt deathy in the car. Like it was legitimate. I sit in this car and I have to push through the feeling of dying um, because of the close calls I had. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was just making it very hard for me to go places because that's a lot to deal with. And then also deal with, whatever it's a lot to be like okay so let me face a death-like fear so that i can meet you at a restaurant Hmm. (laughs) do you know what i mean like okay let's go but i wouldn't be having a good time there Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean or i had a friend who would drive too crazy and you know what i mean and i'd just be like why can't they just not follow so closely of course now that i'm a driving instructor i can legitimately say in my professional opinion that a lot of the people um are genuinely making like mistakes on the road that would prevent them from getting their license if they were to take that test that day. Like uh, auto fail, auto fail, auto fail. <laughs> I'm judging. <laughs> Christy McJudge has said that uh, you are not signaling. You're not checking your blind spot. You are unsafe. Okay. There's a book and you are breaking all the rules. Um, done. Gavel, gavel, done, done. Um, mm-hmm. And um I still managed, I got to remember, I managed, you know, uh, by luck of the draw or good fortune. I mean, I do have some lingering um, health issues from one of my accidents, but I will say that I'm alive. I'm here. Mm -hmm. So I didn't die. So let's go to Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? Success. (laughs) But the driving, yes. 
but also but what I did was I sort of did like a dueling character defects like I need to feel good at my job so I knew that we're in I wouldn't just be able to push myself mm -hmm. my own sense of like honestly the guy who taught me how to be a driving instructor at all I called him in very very high regard like I immediately liked him and I wanted him to think I was good at this job like because I didn't you know I wasn't entirely honest until later mm -hmm. um, telling him why I went for this job and he would literally said that explains everything because I've been racking my brain trying to figure out what you're doing here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I made some weird vocational choices as a fun, loving young person. And the other girl you were training with decided she wasn't going to college. So like, I can understand how like everyone ended up here, but it was like, you write books and you genuinely have knowledge about things and it doesn't seem like you need the money. So I couldn't understand. And I was like, Oh yeah, this was an experiment. I was only supposed to do this for 90 days. Uh -huh. um, and honestly, I didn't think it was going to work out as well as it did. I thought I was going to push myself to like sort of a mental breakdown, mm -hmm. by the way, this isn't, um, uh, we're not licensed medical psychology people. Uh, so I thought <laughs> I was disclaimer, disclaimer. I thought I was going to push myself to either. It was going to be a hilarious story where I could tell people I gave up my all and I'm still terrifying in the car terrified the car or I would have some sort of breakdown where I would have to get, you know what I mean? Some sort of um, like some sort of intervention. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but instead it went the, um, it went the other way. Mm -hmm. It actually, um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm cured, mm -hmm. but I, I drive many a place and I don't feel like I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. So you met, you know, you had the discomfort and you met it head on. And then either way you were, you were going to gather some evidence about what you can or can't do, um, what you can or can't do, but then also just evidence about, oh man, I can sit in this discomfort and have an experience that's going to impact my life in some way. And I think um, there's, you know, there's, there's that like recognizing, okay, I've got this thing that's kind of holding me back or it's just it in and of itself is uncomfortable. So I'm going to, again, uh, tolerate a little bit more discomfort to try to to try to move this along a little bit or I mean get rid of it sounds a little drastic but I mean get rid of it um, for me I think a lot of times it's just the un the uncertainty of the unknown I can't sit in that well I tell myself I can't sit with the discomfort of that so I tend to you know choose the sure things and the challenge with that is sometimes sticking with the sure thing isn't really what I want to be doing, but I'm a little too uncomfortable, like just stepping off that path to see what could, what could happen for me. And it's this weird sort of, sometimes it's this weird amnesia that I get about the things that I have done without a lot of certainty behind them and they've worked out. So, you know, uh, I moved to Los Angeles uh, from the Midwest because I just wanted to have that experience and it went great. Um, or, you know, I was like, mm, I feel like nursing's the thing I want to do, but man, that's very uncertain what that outcome maybe is going to look like, or am I going to be able to even do it? And I, it was very uncomfortable because it was very hard, um, but I did it. And Yet, when it comes to things now, it's as if maybe because there's so much time has passed, it's as if it's like, well, yeah, but that wasn't a big deal. And 
that's not on the same level of this thing now that's in front of me that I'm, you know, that I kind of want to do, but the uncertainty is too uncomfortable to, to deal with. Meanwhile, I'm, I know I'm missing out. I'm doing a thing that I maybe don't want to be doing. So who is, how am I helping myself? I think is one of those things where I have to keep asking myself, am I really, am I really any farther ahead or am I saving myself anything by, you know, avoiding that discomfort, but sticking with, you know, and, and in so doing sticking with this one here, which is very roundabout. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but it did in my head. <laughs> well, and no, I do know what you mean. And one of the things that I just really am going to embrace and really change is everything great that I want falls behind being able to deal with the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to raise being able to just ask for the money um, and people will hem and haw, but the less you talk, the more you can embrace that discomfort, the more, the greater the likelihood you're going to get what mm-hmm. you want. And when I embrace the discomfort of like, I'm going to learn because one of the things that really helps me was, you know, I have a new driver here in the car. I feel responsible for them. I've accepted this responsibility. I'm going to do this job. I'm not going to put this kid in danger. Do you know what I mean? And I wanted to make sure that I, you know, and that was great because they gave us a hundred hours of training. It was amazing. I was like, I was paid to get over my car Mm -hmm. fear. Um, And we did that. We really worked on that. And it was just like, and then they slowly ease you into the lessons. And I realized, you know, you kind of teach what you want to learn. Mm -hmm. Like these kids were afraid to be in the car. And I hadn't realized being able to understand that fear so recently. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't it feel like, really, lady, you're just going to let me go? (laughs) Like, we're just going to crack. Like, I was like, don't, you know, like, I'm right here. Feel this break. Like, I was just like, yeah. Yeah, it feels really crazy. So you're going to, so this is how it's going to feel. You're going to drive and it's going to feel like this person would say like, oh, she's really nervous. And I'm like, oh, good. You're nervous. So I don't have to be. It's the kids who are like, hey, this is going to be no problem where I'm like, now I'm afraid. And they'd always joke. But I'm like, I have a tendency to believe that sometimes um, people who think a lot have a tendency to have some anxiety issues. It doesn't, not every person, um, but I can see like where if your mind's working really fast, you can see where a lot of things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of those kids, I'm like, oh yeah, you're like me. That's, that's, I totally understand. It's, and I'm like, this is how it's going to feel. It's going to feel really terrible. Like it's going to feel really terrible. It's going to feel really scary. You're going to feel like, and know that I will grab the wheel and keep you from crashing into Uh something. And, um, and then it won't, (laughs) and it'll be really strange. And they're like, uh, I, and I said, oh, and you don't have to believe me for it to work. So let's go. (laughs) Um, and they're like. And then I'm like, do you, do you see it fading? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to get on a major street and you're going to really feel, I call it the zing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually a thing that they were, they're talking about in your, when you push yourself beyond your comfort zone, you're literally building neural pathways to learn something different. You can actually grow your mind. You can grow, like they say that, you know, cab drivers who learn to drive in London, um, their, their hippocampus is actually larger than other people like that pushing yourself through the discomfort over and over and over again actually expands who you are. So you push beyond your comfort level, just like any muscle. And then when you come back, it's, it's less scary. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, every time I have to take the kid on a major road and then we bring them back into like the residential neighborhood that they were afraid of. They're like, I said, doesn't it feel so much safer here? And they're like, Oh my God, it does. And it's like next week, the freeway, <laughs> you know, but, um, 
but I don't just know that like it made me a good teacher mm -hmm. because I know that inherently because I feel that fear all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, and it's a gift in a lot of ways to remember, okay, this zing, this ability to sit here and it doesn't always have to work out for it to be okay. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is while I was in the car with a the kid, they made a lane change without telling me they're going to make a lane change. And I couldn't grab the wheel back from them fast enough. Cause they're supposed to, I usually tell kids when they can mm -hmm. move. So if they just randomly make an action, and of course there was someone right there, bam, we were in an accident, which was my biggest fear realized. And, um, and we were all mm -hmm. okay. Thank mm -hmm. God. Um, thank God. Yeah. And I didn't get fired. Uh, cause it, cause it wasn't my fault. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then I told this to my other boss who'd already gone on to another driving school and later he hired me, even though he knew the truth mm -hmm. about me. And that was like another like revelation. He's like, no, we need mm -hmm. you. We need somebody who understands why some of these kids are really afraid. And I always did really well with the nervous kids. Cause I'm like my people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I think that you, you, you highlighted another thing thing that comes with the discomfort is that being able to be open to opportunities later down the road. So maybe the sitting in the discomfort in this moment isn't going to get you, you know, isn't going to work out perfectly or get you necessarily what you want as you work through it. But who knows what's coming to you, you know, as an opportunity later on for you, it was, uh, you know, a job with a new company, uh, because, you worked, you were able to sit in the discomfort, you, you know, you made it through this accident, uh, worst fear realized, you handled it emotionally, you handled it well. Uh, and from there, you were, you went on to another opportunity, because right in that moment, when you had the accident, you could have handled that very differently. And then, you know, handled that discomfort very much differently and then cut yourself off from an opportunity later down the road. I do want to say one thing is, you know, there's sitting in discomfort, and then there's recognizing when you're in an unsafe situation. So in no way are we saying, you know, <laughs> you know, your spidey sense is going off, and you're like, I'm going to just feel this out and see, see what's going on. You know, if you're in danger, remove yourself from the danger, or if something is truly unsafe for you, or, um, you know, you're just feeling threatened in some way, then absolutely. Um, that's very different than, than sitting in kind of the discomfort of the unknown or, or whatever kind of more mild situation, you know, discomfort may be bringing. It's, it's definitely not put yourself in a, there's push yourself and then there's just, you know, being unsafe. And we're not advocating in any way for, you know, being unsafe. Yeah. And, and also there's like, you could push yourself without pushing yourself way too far. Yeah. Because I think that, um, you know, I don't know that necessarily being shy and then being like, I'm just going to do stand up comedy. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do stand up was because it was so unlike what people thought I was. Mm. And I wanted to be different. So I needed to try something different. And my goal when I first started was to never cry on the premises of the comedy club, always drive out of the parking lot and then go somewhere else. And mm -hmm. it really did work. Mm hmm. Um, so, but, but the key is the, 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 the thing to look at being uncomfortable. I think the key is to realize that each time I can sit in the discomfort, regardless as to the result, it is that, um, 
like that is the victory. The yeah. victory is in the endeavor. Mm-hmm. It, like in doing it. It's not the result that counts. You aren't your situation. It's what you do and how what you think of you that matters. It is. And use that discomfort and the experiences that come from it just to keep building that evidence and helping you get closer to the life that you want and the experiences that you want and becoming the or being the person that you want. And I know I'm, you know, my tone maybe suggests that it's oh so easy. I, I apologize. That's not what I'm saying um, because it's not, it's work um, and we're doing it every day. Um, but it's valuable work that will benefit in the long run, benefit you in the long run. And that brings us to uh, this week's mission of the week, which is um, to look for opportunities to practice being uncomfortable in order to grow. So I think that'd be a great mission. I agree. And I'll be interested to hear how that goes for you. Uh, Next week's episode, we're going to talk about putting what you've learned into practice. So you've thought and learned and thought some more about how you want to grow and change. And now it's time to do the work. So we would love to hear from you, your questions, your perspectives on the different topics we've talked about. You can email us at positiveviewpodcast at gmail.com. That's positiveview, V-I-E-W, podcast at gmail.com. Also, to let you know, new episodes are available every Monday, and we'd like to know what you think. So please take a moment to subscribe and review the podcast. And that's our show for today. I'm Brianna G. And I'm Christy Murphy. We'll all talk soon. 